today comes from the second chapter of Mark. You guys might remember Mark. Many moons ago when you started reading the Gospel of Mark, you came across this. It doesn't take very long for Jesus to get into trouble for interesting reasons. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him. How to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy One of living waters, pour out your Spirit on us this day, that by your word proclaimed and by your Spirit felt, we remember your truth, your life, and your calling. Amen. Anthropos, the Greek word for humanity. Mark is very specific. If he wants to talk about a guy, he's going to say another word. But he's going to talk about humanity. He says anthropos. We have these anthropomorphic tensions you might have heard of before. But the problem in this particular story is not just about humanity, knowing what's good for humanity, but knowing what really matters in the scheme of things. Right, guys? Anthropos, Jesus is saying, look it, you are yelling at me for breaking a rule. But what good is the rule? We know this intense desire to question those rules, right? From when we're little ones, when my little ones are saying, Daddy, why? Daddy, why? 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 Trying to get them to the place where they follow the rule and then ask the question, but for now, they ask the question before following the rule. And there might be some good in that. The rule was, don't do work on the Sabbath. I have a friend who lives in the north side of Chicago, and there's a lot of Orthodox Jews up there, and he gets a knock on his door one day, says, hey, neighbor, good to see you. 
know you're a Christian. Do you mind coming over and turning on my porch light today? It's the Sabbath, and I can't do any work on the Sabbath. So my friend turns on the porch light, because you can't work. That's their, their law, and that's how they believe that you observe the love of God. As Jesus' disciples are walking around in this story, they're hungry. They're hungry. They don't have jobs. And so they find some food, and they get it. Remember Jesus' question, is it better to help life out or to let it go to waste, to kill it? Well, the Pharisees don't really care about an answer. They probably have their own ideas. They probably would pluck the grains of head off themselves. But what they're interested in is getting Jesus in trouble. They want to make sure that any way he breaks the rules, they can cut him out, show him up as a fraud, proclaim to the world that this isn't a real follower of God, certainly not the son of God. Let's show him what he is, a rule breaker. And then comes in this man with a withered hand. We don't know what's going on with this guy's hand, but there's, there's something up. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And notice that he doesn't heal him in a specific way. He doesn't say, you are made whole. He doesn't touch the man. He just stands there. And the man's hand is made whole. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. That was Jesus giving them a rule check, a new perspective, in a way that only he could. Jesus brought his own sort of individual gifts to the game, if you will. And if he hadn't, where would we be? Would we all be asking our neighbors to turn on the porch light for us? We wouldn't have the faith we have without a Jesus that said, you know the rules this way, but you've forgotten the heart of it. And he brought us his perspective in only a way that the Christ could. My point for you guys, you confirmands here, going to proclaim your faith, is that you need to give us your perspectives in only the way that you can. You don't know this because you didn't experience this like this, but confirmation has had a way for a long time. For a long time, confirmation has had a way where you sit in a bunch of classes for X number of months, Maybe X number of years, aren't you grateful? And you learn the right things. And from your tabula rasa, your blank slate of head, if all the information got poured in right, you could pop out the other side, a good Presbyterian, knowing all the things you need to know, and boom, you're done. So you come up here to the font and say, I believe all the right things. You guys know that's not how it works. And even all of us who got confirmed that way, we know that's not how it works. And a growing body of research has showed that confirmation hasn't worked in that way for a long time. And so, me, believing that I have a certain set of gifts, a certain way that God has called me to understand this world, I looked at confirmation and tried to grab my own perspective. And so our students read through this Gospel of Mark with their parents. And they discussed each chapter along the way with their parents, and they sent me a little summary. But the key here is that we're learning through faith formation research that when students and their parents have consistent, continuous dialogue about their faith, students are way more likely to carry their faith on into their lives. It removes the barrier, this understanding that you just go to church to get your faith life, and then the rest of the week is sort of, well, whatever else is more important. I'm so grateful for our parents who stepped up in that way, who discussed the Gospel of Mark, for our students who said, this may seem boring and weird, 
but if it matters to Pastor Eric and to my parents, I'm going to do it. And hopefully you learned a little something along the way. You did something else very different, including not going to class every Sunday. Then we went on the retreat, right? We went to Camp Hanover, where we found out that they raised goats there at the camp. It was sort of a confirmation camp where we celebrated with other students from the DMV area and Richmond area. What does it mean to confirm our faith with the particular baptismal vows you'll hear later? We know that that sort of age-segregated faith formation is a good thing, that we do it together with one another of specific ages, because we have specific questions at that time at different places in our uh, cognitive development. So we did that. We went to the Bible Museum and tried to figure out what interpretation means to our life today. Not everything in the Museum of the Bible is good, folks. I'd love to be your tour guide sometime, but suffice it to say that our students were able to grapple with that in a way that similar-aged peers were asking those questions. So we had our age-segregated thing. We had our parents and our children working together, and then you had your sponsors. Thank God for your sponsors, because they were the brunt and the weight of this confirmation program. Each one of our students had a sponsor they met with every month for six months. I think next year's students are going to have to do it for nine months. Again, you guys got lucky. And every month, our sponsors would sit with our students and one-on-one -on -one talk about the faith that they have, to ask questions, to dive in deeper. Is that something that all of us want? Someone who would sit with you one-on-one, -on -one, once a month, and say, how is it with your soul? What are your gifts? How do you feel called? What does the spirit feel like in your life? What's going on with you? What's keeping you up at night? So our amazing sponsors did that, and we have so many thanks to give them today when we confirm your faith. We're really saying thanks be to God for all of those things coming together. But now it's your turn. Now it'll be your turn to come to this font and to declare the things that you believe. But this is just the beginning of the journey, right? Remember, we didn't just pour in all the information into you so that now you're a perfect Presbyterian. You've just begun the journey. It relied most heavily on your parents along the way, and hopefully you know from your sponsors that the church will never leave you. Your pastors, the elders, everyone else here will never leave you. We'll always be here for you. But it's time for you to claim, to pick up, to take a little bit more responsibility, to show up for the things that matter to you. I know how many of you guys have dated yet, but in general, the best way to have a relationship is to show up. It's really hard to have a relationship with someone that you don't see. I mean, you can Skype, right? We'll try to make some Skype and FaceTime opportunities for the church. But you've got to show up. You have to claim some responsibility. You have to say, because of me, here's who I am. And here's the tricky part, guys. This church is yearning to hear what you have to say. They want to know not just what you think about the Sabbath. And Lord knows that the church, that this culture needs to learn what Gen Z thinks about the Sabbath. A generation that is more anxious, more suicidal, more depressed than any generation to come before. And they didn't make themselves that way, by the way. You guys need to step up and claim and say, these are my gifts. 
from my place of being me, church, you need to hear how the Spirit is moving from my perspective. Richard Rohr is a great priest who I preached a lot about last week. And this week, his daily emails were about vocation. And he had this to say, and I hope you'll take this to heart. He said, discovering your unique gift to bring to your community is your greatest opportunity and challenge. The offering of that gift, your true self, is the most you can do to love and serve the world. And it is all the world needs. Can you imagine a world, my confirmands, where everybody stepped up fully of who they are? Not of who someone else wanted them to be. Not of what the college major told you you should be or what career path you're supposed to follow. But what if you just followed your sense of calling? Frederick Buechner says that your calling is where your greatest desire and the world's greatest needs intersect. I loved theater growing up. It was my greatest desire, I thought. But the world didn't really need more actors, especially mediocre ones. Somebody told me the world needed pastors, and here I am. I don't know where that intersection is for you, but the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to do it the way it's always been done. Remember, the Sabbath was made for humanity. The calling was made for you. God wired you. So I hope you'll take care of that. I hope we'll all remember that. May you remember your calling. May you remember that showing up like somebody else is not valuable and actually harmful to the body of Christ. May you remember that showing up as you, the way God wired you, your calling, your vocation, is exactly what the world needs. My friends, this day, remember your faith. Remember this baptism that connects you with everyone here. May you help our compromands to discern their calling. May you find yours. You remember the Jesus who made it all happen. Thanks be to God, and amen.